Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work to reconnect the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my Connectfulness Counseling Practice and our collective for therapists in private practice at connectfulness.com. My guest on this episode, Dr. Jane Tornator, is a therapist and speaker in Seattle, Washington. A recovering perfectionist, Dr. Jane knows the pain of being bogged down by old beliefs, feeling responsible for everything, and never quite measuring up to expectations. She supports people in converting old, outdated patterns and unnecessary stress into more freedom, joy, authenticity, and peace that come from questioning old beliefs, being gentle with the self, and living more from the heart. We recorded this episode back in February of 2020. I've been holding on to it given all that's been uprooted in the world. Contextually, the world was really different when we recorded this episode, and I wonder how a world filled with both pandemic and uprising might have altered the core of our discussion. This episode highlights helpful ways to tend to ourselves, reclaim our power, and perhaps to help us soothe ourselves when we don't have the power to change our situation. Dive in with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here today with Dr. Jane Tornator, and I'm so excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking today about self-love. Jane, welcome. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I am thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. I'm really excited for this conversation we're about to have. When we were talking before we started uh, recording today, you shared with me your manifesto. And I'm hoping that we can just begin there. Could you read that to our listeners? I would love to. I would love to. Okay. When people love themselves, they don't judge others. The more they love themselves, the better boundaries they have. They teach others love by example, not by telling. People who love themselves, show others what is possible. Kindness, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I want that for you, me, and everyone we meet. Mm. That is so big. Yeah. That's self-love. That's self-love. I mean, and, and this is the thing, is that 
so often we're caught in a rhythm where we're not loving ourselves. Right. Right. And I'm always surprised. I just had a client in my office yesterday who said it feels so selfish when I take time for myself. And I said, I totally hear you. And I don't know where the idea came about that we need to stop giving to ourselves so we have more to, to give to others. I'm like, who came up with that idea? It, it doesn't work. Right? <laughs> and, and, and let's just slow it down and break it down a little bit. Like the reason it doesn't work is because as adults, we're not talking yes. about children right now. Not talking about children. But as adults, when we don't give to ourselves, who's gonna? Right? And then we run out of, we run out of energy and love to give. Yeah. It's, it, we, you know, it's the, what are, what's that image, the, the bucket with a hole in it? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can't, if we don't fill it up or if we don't even plug the friggin' hole, we're, you know, right? Right. we're going to run out and we're going to get frustrated and we're going to get upset and we're going to get impatient and we're going to get unloving to other people. That right there. And mm-hmm. we're going to get unloving to other people yeah. because, and, and there's, I'm, I'm thinking that there's also this, this, um, like both end, right? Like holding both. Yes. There's the part of us getting unloving to other people. And also the part of, if I don't love myself, how do I receive your love towards me? We can't. I mean, how can we, if we don't feel lovable, if we don't feel valuable, why would we accept anything that we don't believe we deserve? Right. We just push it away, push, push it, it away. away. Yeah, it's super sad. <laughs> so how, how did you get to the point um, where this is the focus of your work? Oh, through personal experience, Rebecca. <laughs> you know, that term wounded healer, you know, our greatest yeah. wound is our greatest gift. And I, you know, I wrote the book, Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, a roadmap for self-acceptance because... I'm an anxious perfectionist. I grew up from a very young age. You know, we learn so much of who we should be in the world before we're six. And I learned that I have to be perfect, that everybody be okay and happy if I were perfect. And I've, you know, I was committed to that. And I created a lot of um, self-inflicted pain because I can't be perfect. Because, you know, as you say in in your lovely... um, intro every podcast we're human we are we, we can't be we're messy humans and so I finally started being kind to myself and allowing my humanness and I'm much more loving than I ever was before to me and therefore to others so it was my own self-hatred that uh you know drove me to find a way to figure out how to work with it and accept it and hold my self-hatred, my self-resentment, myself just not good enough, along with, well, maybe I'm lovable anyway. Even in all my imperfections. Even in all my imperfections. Yeah. So, and it's so much easier to look at our clients when, you know, when we can love our imperfections, we can look at clients or people we love or people who are driving us crazy at the moment and go, Oh, honey, you're hurting now. I see that. So that's. It's bringing me right away, like as, as you're saying this and the way that you just said that, the intonations that you used in particular are bringing me back to, um, theoretically, to the theories of Winnicott and like the good enough mother. 
Right. Right. And in so much of my work, one of the things I think about is how we have to be that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's like the task of adulthood. And it's the place where we're filled with grief and loss because there's no one else there to be, be that or do that for us. We have to show up. We don't have to, but it sure is helpful. Right. Yeah. 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 And you beautifully, when you talked about the grief, every time, like I'm working with clients or even in myself, when I realize a new possibility of how I can be in this world and with myself, I, I automatically grieve all my past where I did not know that that was possible. So as soon as I have a possibility, it's like, Oh, all the time, if I'm not in a good space, all the time I've wasted believing this. If I am a good space, I'm like, oh, how sad that I didn't know this before. Yeah. This was always possible. I just didn't know it. Right? Yeah. And so how do, you, how do you teach and how do you do for yourself to hold yourself more often than not in that good place or come back to that good place? Oh, goodness. Practice. Practice, 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 practice. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love doing and automatically helps moving into compassion is, you know, Tara Brock. She, oh, she's, a, she's an amazing, compassionate teacher. And uh, she puts her hands over her heart. And as soon as I touch my hand with my, and people do it naturally. When they're having compassion, their hand almost automatically goes to their heart. And that automatically gets me in touch with my heart and my compassion and just my forgiveness of myself. Like, oh, I'm so, or for my clients, for, for uh, the pain they cause themselves in their, in their own minds. Yeah. Um, and because it's hard to realize what we do with ourselves without compassion, especially as a perfectionist. Oh, we could use, oh, look what I'm doing to myself and really use that to hammer in the, the shame and all that stuff. But if we see ourselves with compassion, then there's just the grief. I didn't know. I didn't know. I yeah. Didn't know. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't. Yeah. Not even a lie. <laughs> no, when, when, when you don't, when you know better, you do better. But when you yes. don't know, you, you can't do better. Right. You're just in that space. And mm-hmm. so you have developed like three different ways of helping people kind of arrive at this place of compassion. Yeah. Like kind of hacks almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. nice. I like self-compassion hacks. I like that, Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all yours, Jane. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right would you take us? Yeah, I would love yeah. for you to share them with us. Yes. Well, the first one that I will, <laughs> I'm a bit of an evangelist on this first one. I will tell anybody who will sit still long enough for me to <laughs> say it. So if I were queen of the world, I would the words should, must, have to, and need, and for Midwesterners, gotta. Now, uh, I would ban them because they automatically create resistance um, and failure in us when we say them. And furthermore, no choice. And when we are offered no choice, our ego hates that, and we all become like two again and go, no, I don't want to. I have to do this. No, I don't want to. So we automatically create resistance. So then what I, and can I, can I practice with you? I'd love you to. Because I, I always ask my clients to practice the tools because if they don't work, then don't use them. 
And we aren't going to use them because we've got 16 gazillion things to do every day. But if we do feel the difference, then we're like, I think I'll make some time for that practice. So, okay. So what's something um, you should do or you have to do or you need to do? Laundry. Laundry. Great. So say, I have to do laundry. I have to do laundry. And close your eyes. And what do you feel in your body? And where do you I just feel, feel like overwhelmed. I feel like there's so much of it. It never right? stops. I get it done and then there's more. Right, exactly. And where do you feel that in your body? <sighs> okay, let me say it again. I have to do laundry. I feel it like right, it's, it's heavy. It's on my chest. Heavy on your chest. Great. Nice mm-hmm. awareness. Okay, now open your eyes and say, it's a good idea to do laundry. Mm, it's a good idea to do laundry. And close your eyes. And what do you feel? It's different. It's different. Um, it's, different. it's like a, it's a good idea to do it. Like it would, it would be helpful if I did it. it it's, uh, it's the next thing I should do. It's like the next step my feet want to take. The next step. It's the next option. Right. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So this, these words have power. It's such a simple exercise and it is so powerful on, on so many levels. But the words I would choose are, you are, you know, it's a good idea. As you already said, it would be helpful. An option is to, uh, one thing I can do is, when we say that, we stop the resistance because it is a good idea to do laundry. Otherwise, you run out of clothes, right? I mean, it's, you have it on your list for a reason. But we take away the initial resistance. And furthermore, you know, with the reticular activating system, it's looking outside for our internal beliefs. It's like looking for proof out in the world that to solidify what we're thinking inside. So what you're doing is you're putting your subconscious brain to work. What's oh, a good idea? And then you're, subconsciously, you might be thinking, okay, so today's kind of busy, but tomorrow I've got some time to do it. So you're unconsciously figuring out when How, to do Yeah. Exactly. So instead of unconsciously resisting, you're unconsciously figuring out the problem. Yes. Yeah. So That's beautiful. Yeah. And we're saying the same thing. I'm not saying, oh, Rebecca, you don't have to do your laundry. Let the laundry go. Somebody else will do it. No, we're not being unrealistic. We're just being kinder with stuff we're actually choosing to do because it's important to us. Yeah. So that takes us to our internal values. Like need, should, must have to are kind of external mores. They're like, this is how you should be as a human being, which, you know, as a perfectionist, I've totally got those down, down, right? But it'd be a good idea. It'd be helpful to an option is, is because it's my value. I like my kids in clean clothes. Mm-hmm. I like having clean clothes. I like not having the laundry basket full. It makes me happy. So we tap into our own internal guidance system simply by changing our words, right? I have one more thing to say about yeah. that. Yeah. When it's when it's really true, I have people say I want to or I'd like to. When because, it's really true. When it's really true because if like we I don't want to do my laundry. Exactly. You don't probably like the example I always use because nobody wants to do their taxes. They do them because, you know, it's nice not to get fined. But nobody wants to do it. So if we're like, oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better at this. I'm going to want to do it. And then we're like, we're just lying to ourselves, which creates tension, right? So it's not about saying the right thing. It's about saying the true thing. It is a good idea to do laundry. You don't want to do it. There are many other things you'd rather do. It's a good idea. But I want to play a board game with my kids. 
Yes. I want to go on a date with my husband. I want yes. to take some time for myself. And feel the power of your words as you said this, yeah. right? When we say, I need to, it takes away our power. We just kind of, power just sucks mm. out of us. But you, you're like, I want to, I want this. We just, our agency and our desire comes on board when it's really true. Totally. And our passion. Our passion does. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's one word that I kind of banned for my therapy room. It's not any of the words that you've banned, mm-hmm. um, but it's the word, but. Oh, right. I replace, I have all my <laughs> clients replace it with the word and. Yes. Simply because when we use the word, but we negate anything that came before the word. Yep. It takes away the power of anything like, you know, I really like the way you do this, this, and this, but. Right. <laughs> that part's now gone. It's gone, right? So, so it's, it's like, it's really interesting. These words are so powerful. And often they're not really big words. I mean, they're like, we just are using them mindlessly. Yes. Mindlessly. Absolutely. We're doing it unconsciously. Yeah. And, you know, they say that 90 to 95% of our actions are thoughts are unconscious. Totally. 90 to 95. And I think our work as therapists, we're all about kind of maybe trying to up it to like, you know, 10%, 15% consciousness. Because then we have choice. When we're conscious, we have choice. Agency. Like this is the place where it all kicks together. It's like, it's like that Viktor Frankl quote that I think I've probably quoted in almost every episode, right? Uh Which is that space between the things that happen to us, the stimulus and our response to the stimulus. That's Uh the space where we have freedom. We have choice. We have power. We have, right. It's, but it it comes back. It always comes back to that space between. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes those things that happen to us are our thoughts. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. Like we have 60 to 70,000 <clears> thoughts a day. If we can influence even a portion of those, can you imagine how we can shift our... I, I can't get my brain around the fact that we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts. Like I can't, I, I'm thinking like, I think I had five today. Right. <laughs> you know, well, like... Most of them are repetitive. Like yeah. 70 or 80% are, are the same ones. So yeah, right. it's five again and again and again and again. <laughs> right. right. Mm-hmm. I should do laundry. I should do laundry. I should do laundry. <laughs> I gotta pick up the kids. I gotta pick up the kids. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And and it's it's in those places. Like if if I'm repeating over and over and over again, what I should do or what I have to do or what I must mm-hmm. do, um, or what I need to do or what I gotta do. Mm-hmm. I'm putting myself over and over and over and over and over again in this place of resistance. Right. No against myself. Exhausted. Yeah. It's exhausting to resist ourselves, to resist our natural vibrancy of life. Yeah. Like we're naturally vibrant beings, but we resist ourselves so much and we stuff ourselves down, including our feelings, including trying to stuff our thoughts, that that takes all our energy. All of it. It just zaps it away. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and so often, I don't, I don't know if this is, if you find this in your work, I certainly find it in mine, that voice, the should have to need to voice is the voice perhaps of one of our parents. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. External. Mm-hmm. Almost always those voices are external to us. Yeah. We just think they're internal to us because we repeat them. 
many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the voices we've internalized, yep. but they, yeah, they come from somewhere else. Yep. They do. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when we really say I want to, or I'd like to, it's just, it, it's like more of us comes online. Because we're owning our wants and, or our needs. Right. Yeah. And that for so many is a place where maybe we lacked some nurturing. Mm-hmm. What is it yeah. that you want? What is it that you need? Right. Yeah, exactly. We weren't, yeah. I, for one, that was, that's one thing I've struggled with a lot is to say, you know, I want this. You may not even want to give it to me, but I still get to want it. Yeah. Whether or not you can give it to me or not, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I get to be disappointed. I still want it. Yeah. Period. It's so awesome to do that. I like it, feel so much lighter. It, it feels so much lighter. And it's, it's uh, reawakening that child spirit, that open, that spontaneous, mm-hmm. that, that the life-giving spirit instead of the, the more dulled down, I'm going through life monotonously because I have to. Right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I just said it again. I said have to. Yeah. Well, that is part of that. Yeah. That is part of that voice because I, I do have to. That's what we believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And simply by shifting our words, it subtly unconsciously works to shift our beliefs. That's it's a, like a, it's a sneaky behind the ego trick to start to change our, our lifelong beliefs. Okay. So this is one of your behind the ego tricks, but you have more. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. So the second one uh, is, is kind of relates to your Victor Frankl quote, which is originally, I adapted it from Stephen Covey. And basically, when we're worried about something, our worries fall into uh, two circles. The smaller one is what we can do about it, what we have control, what we have power over. That's our thoughts and our behaviors. Everything else is in the second circle, which is the circle of control, which is it should be this way. They should be this way. It should be different. I should be different. Something needs to change but we don't have any power to do it because it's not our thoughts or our behaviors. Right. So when we're in the circle of control, it's the land of helplessness, hopelessness, frustration, anger, stuckness. Resentment. Resentment. So anytime my clients or I have any of those thoughts, I'm like, where are you right now? Oh, I'm in the circle. I'm trying to control something that literally isn't in my control. So what I try to do when I'm in that circle of uh, uh, control is to go, okay, so is there anything I can do about it? Like, is there anything I can do about this? And if there is, I'll give it a go. If it works, if it doesn't work, you know, I hope it works, but there's something I can do about it. That's my personal sense of agency. If, if I try, it doesn't work, then I fall back to my thoughts. Okay, so this thing is not the way I want it to be. This situation, this life, this weather, this traffic, whatever, this relationship. Okay, so how am I going to, I've done what I can to try to change it. How am I going to be with this situation as it is versus pounding my head against the wall, trying to change something that I literally can't change? And uh, this is such a great, great tool for people who are anxious because takes our power back to us. Once again, our value system, our agency, and it gets us off from, you said, I think before we started talking, you know, a woman gets on her horse and, and goes in there all different directions, right? It, it comes, it brings us back to ourselves. 
So it, it just reminds us of our own power and then helps us self-soothe in those places where we literally don't have the power to change it. If we give it a go and it doesn't work, then what? So we can always figure out how to be okay with whatever life is throwing at us. We don't need the external world to keep us safe because we're going to be okay. We're going to figure out how we're going to be with what is if we can't change it or leave it. Which is, which is incredibly powerful. Right? Like it's a reclamation of power. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. We're, we're scattered to the winds when we're in the circle of control. Mm -hmm. We're reclaiming ourselves in the circle of power. It's funny. I've never, I love talking with you about this. I've never framed that model that way before. Mm. I love that. I love that frame of the model. So this is the thing, right? Because when we're bringing the power back to us, when we're reclaiming that power, when we're refocusing on our thoughts and our behaviors, the stuff that we can control, Mm -hmm. then everything else starts to slowly feel more manageable. It doesn't have the same control over us. Exactly. Exactly. We're in this situation versus a situation running us over again and again and again. It takes us out of victim. We can't be in the circle of power and be in victim at the same time. Say that again because it's really important. We can't be in the circle of power with our thoughts and our behaviors and be a victim. Like it's literally impossible. Huh. So we're choosing in that moment, like coming back to that quote, that Viktor Frankl quote, we're choosing mm-hmm. yes. our, our, um, our state. Like am, am I in control or am I a victim is kind of the choice. Exactly. And one of the reasons I love Viktor Frankl is because um, there's no – there might be something greater, but I mean, how much big, bigger of a situational and contextual loss can you be in than being in the concentration camp where they're trying to take, they have taken everything away except our dignity, mm-hmm. except our own self and being. Right. And that's what he says is it's, it's, it's when you're left with nothing but the way right. that you respond to the situation is your being. That, yep. is, that, is, that is the essence of you. And that, that is, is your power. That yep. is your power. Yeah, and if he can do it in the concentration camps, it's easier for me to do with like traffic, or when somebody <laughs> doesn't do what I want them to do. You know, it's like <laughs> or or me with my laundry, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> again, your partner being a moron again <laughs> just gives a little perspective of I can deal with this. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, just this week, I was just wrangling. I ordered a new couch for my office, and it was. Oh, I spent hours because they screwed up my address. And I was just thinking, Jane, this is a couch. It's frustrating, but it's a couch. It's going to be fine. It's a couch. So, you know, it's like, because I was just out, my, why aren't they getting my address right? Blah, blah, blah. What are we, you know, I was just totally out in the circle of control. I'm like, it's a couch. You'll figure it out. So it's just, it's, it's great to have perspective in a funny way, not like, oh my God, it's only a couch. What is wrong with me that I'm beating myself up about? You know, no, not that. It's like, oh, let's add a little humor. <laughs> I'm really pissed off about a, a couch. <laughs> Has anybody died? No, it's a couch. It's a couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think yeah. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but this brings me, me back to thinking about what you've shared with me about this other tip that you have about um, the three tips about um, 
what'd you call them? How to be with our feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are three. This is, I will tell you the story about how I came up with this model. I, uh, a friend of mine was giving away, not giving away, but she had a massage special. You can buy massages for half price. I'm like, this is awesome. Cause it's not something I give myself as much as I would like to. Right. So I said, great, I'll get massage for half price. I'll help her and I'll have three massages. Great. So I got the first one and it was great. And then I forgot about them and it was a six month package. And so it expired. One, yeah. Yeah. One day. Almost one day I was in my living room and I'm like, wonder when that massage package expires. So I email her and she's like, oh, it's up next week. And I'm like, crap. Oh no. And I was just like, well, I should have known. Why didn't I just, why didn't I just get all the, what is wrong with me? Now I've wasted all the money because I went to her website trying to find an appointment. Of course, no appointments when I could go. Right. So I was like, waste of money. I'm walking around just storming. I was like, well, she should have let me know it was almost up for six months. I'm like, no, it's not her job. Well, don't be angry about it. It's stupid to be angry. So I was just going, oh. And then I stopped and went, wait a minute. I'm angry that I lost the money. I'm just angry. So I'm just going to sit here and be angry. And I went over to my couch. I sat down and I just literally physically felt the anger. What did that feel like when you just let yourself feel the anger? Oh, it's so fascinating, Rebecca. When I let myself just feel angry, it's a very empowering emotion. Yeah. See, that's something I don't know that a lot of people get to. No. That's a because that's the thing. We that, resist it. Yeah. It's one it's, of those things we think we're not supposed to feel. Exactly. Isn't that sad? Mm -hmm. It's an enlivening emotion. Now, I also do my best not to act out of anger, but I let it bring me into my circle of power and go, okay, well, clearly something's wrong. Now what? What do I want to do about this? After I'm done feeling the anger, then I get the resolve and go, okay, it's time. Stuff needs to happen. We're taking some action. So, okay, wait, you just highlighted something important about anger that I think we need to pause with for a minute. Okay. <clears throat> it's directional. Say more. Well, when we feel angry and we mm -hmm. allow it to do its work underneath, and right. we allow it to bubble something up, it points us in a direction. Yes, it does. It tells us what to do next. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it doesn't have to be go bash somebody's head in kind of angry or go, you know, let the air out of their tire. But right. it, it's, it tells us something about what the, what's needed. Yes. Where, yep. where a boundary maybe has been crossed or something that needs repair. Yep. Absolutely. Or sometimes if we sit long enough, Underneath it is actually just hurt. Mm -hmm. Often when I sit with my anger, I'm like, oh, I'm just like, oh, I'm not feeling loved or I'm not feeling important or I'm not feeling valued. Mm -hmm. So if I sit with it long enough, I frequently come into grief. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's a, those are hard emotions to sit with. <laughs> They're really hard to sit with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially by ourselves. Yeah. And so you, you've kind of named, you've, you've given them kind of, I think it was three names, right? Like yes. In terms of well, this there, process? Yes. There are three things we do naturally. We mm -hmm. either repress the feelings, we feed them. Repressing is, I shouldn't feel this. This is wrong. Stop feeling it. I'm going to watch TV now. We feed them with like, well, of course I'm mad. They're a moron. Of course I'm angry. I just was a jerk of, you know, going to that external. And then uh, the last thing we do, which most of us don't 
we're not taught to do is simply physically feel the emotion. And I know when I'm literally feeling the emotion when I have no thoughts. I'm just focused on what my body feels like. When I asked you, you know, what you're feeling with that, I have to do laundry. So when we can literally just sit with the feeling, neurochemically, our body, research says anywhere uh, from 30 seconds to two minutes, our body is done with the process. You hear a, a loud noise, somebody insults you, something happens, and, and, or you're surprised. Within two minutes, your body's like, done, we worked through it, we're done, except that hardly ever happens. Two, wait, but, but, but if I sit with the hard feeling for two minutes, I'll work through it? Yes. Your Just body two minutes. Naturally, the neurochemical process will be done. And, and if I don't sit with it for those two minutes, how long might I feed it or repress it for, and how, how long will it sit with me then? As long as you feed or repress it. <laughs> that's what I thought. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that's your choice, right? <laughs> so I, I could potentially feed or repress that feeling for the rest of my life. If we wanted to, if we <clears throat> chose that, and most of us choose it unconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, most of us think, oh, it's not out of my control. I just can't stop thinking about it. It's like, well, actually, our choice is not being present with it. If we're not present, then our old neural pathways, our old habits come in and they just, you know, there's 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, mostly repetitive. Those are, you know, are, are what keeps our hurts around, our resentments, our, you know, irritations, our shoulds. But I could sit with it for a short amount of time. Yeah. And honestly, Rebecca, the fastest I've ever gotten for big emotion is five minutes. <laughs> I haven't gotten to the two minutes. <laughs> okay. But still, there's a huge difference. Even if I'm going to sit with it for three hours. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Even that is much Three hours is a very different kind of exchange for me to commit to and to be with something than the rest of my life. Absolutely. Or the next three months or Absolutely. the next week. Yep. Right? Like I'm, I'm choosing mm-hmm. to some extent that the investment that I'm making in those feelings. Yep. And I want to be super clear that that doesn't mean sitting with the feelings will fix everything, Mm-mm. but it does. It gives us the ability to, as we are literally being the container for our emotions, we thereby automatically unconsciously realize and experience we're actually bigger than our emotions. We're actually Can you say the more containers. About that? Yeah. Well, one of the things I say constantly to my clients is feelings are, are literally just feelings. Like they're literally feelings. They're neurochemical responses in your body. Same with thoughts. There's nothing out there that if you think, oh, I hate him. It's not suddenly this little bubble in front of you that's now exists in solid form, right? It's just they're literally feelings and thoughts. Now they feel like they've got a whole lot of power and our body responds bonds to them, right? But literally, we're the ones feeling and thinking. We're the ones creating this, you know, our own context, our own reality. Because our lived life is mostly how we respond to it, right? It's not so much what happens to us as our response to it, as Viktor Frankl beautifully wrote about. So, So literally, for just like, oh, I'm feeling my feelings. It automatically widens our container 
to hold these feelings. And then the more we hold these feelings, the wider our container is and the bigger feelings we can hold and on and on. In my, in my opinion, in my belief, we're like immense beings. Just us as our frail little humanness, we are immense beings. And the more I'm with myself and the more I hold myself in anything that I'm feeling, thinking, doing, the bigger I am. I grow myself up. I grow myself. Oh, I love that. I grow myself up. I'm writing that down. I grow myself up as I sit with the things I've, I'm feeling, as I as I allow myself these experiences, and yeah. I I act as that container. Yes. Yeah. And we are always bigger, always, always, always bigger than our feelings. Always. It doesn't feel like that, especially if you resist them. You, you know, resist I'm, them because they feel bigger. I'm getting this like image, right? Uh, Often in my work, I talk about like this wounded child, this Mm -hmm. adapted child, and this more functional adult. And what I'm trying to think of when I'm thinking of this functional adult is that's kind of like the the one, the part of me or the part of my client that's, I'm going to talk about it in in the sense of me because it's just easier that way for me Mm -hmm. to speak of it. But um, it's the part of me that's coming back in to take care of the parts of me that didn't get tended to, that didn't get nurtured, that didn't have all those needs met, that didn't have someone to sit with with them and say, how are you feeling right now? Let's just sit with that and experience it and talk about it. And mm-hmm. that's the container. That's the bigger than, because yes. that is bigger than the little one that was hurt inside of mm-hmm. me. Yep. Yeah. The little one that didn't know because <clears throat> it wasn't taught. She right. wasn't taught any of that stuff. No. We, we are the teachers. As you right. say, we're growing ourselves up. We are the teachers of all those little parts of ourselves that are so scared and so hurt and so isolated and feel so alone. And have worked so hard, those little parts that have worked right? so hard to, to uh, survive in the world and to find their way through. And that is sometimes where all of that resistance comes through because like, I have to do these things. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do these things. I thought you were going to take me through this. I right. Thought, I right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so it, we get all tangled up in, inside of ourselves. Yep. And this, this is that untangling. This is that work of kind of becoming more clear as we look yes. at things like our language. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that work of becoming more clear. Yeah. Our about, language and our choices. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is powerful, Jane. Is it? Yeah. I love it. This is powerful. It's so funny because I'm just in the probably the last year, like the tools I use are so simple. I mean, they're super simple. And just in the past year, I'm like, these work on many more levels than Mm -hmm. I really understood. Yeah. So, yeah. And they're so simple and so easy to use. So that's why I love them. So they're powerful and super, like we don't have to spend five hours a day. I'm going to sit with my feelings. Literally, if you sit with your feeling a little more than you did before, that's awesome, right? That's great. That alone gives you more choice and more capacity. We don't have to do it perfectly. No, we can't. We can't do it perfectly. Nope. But we, what we can do and what I, what I often like to remind my clients is it's not always about catching yourself in the moment because sometimes we, we don't. We can't. <laughs> right. Um, but it is about catching yourself when you catch yourself. So it might be that, you know, tomorrow or five minutes after I explode at my partner, I might turn around and say, what was that? What did I just feel? Let me just notice that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And that's kind of that, that moment of, creating that expansion in that container. Right. 
Yeah. You're right. It's always possible. Yeah. It could be five years down the road and go, oh, maybe I could have done that differently. <laughs> right. So, so take me, take me there for a minute, because when we started this conversation today, one of, you read that manifesto, you read that, mm-hmm. that piece, that beautiful piece. And one of the things you wrote about in there is that if I love myself, right, it changes the way I'm, I'm uh, misquoting you, but it changes the way that I treat other people. Right. Yep. And, and it informs the way other people treat me. Yes. Okay. So help us circle this back to that. Help us understand that part deeper. Well, one of my specializations is working with caregivers who have family members with Alzheimer's. Hmm. And, you know, just like parents, caregivers, they're, they're living more than one life. Like they're responsible for their lives and the people they're taking care of. These, these other precious beings who aren't as capable as, you know, adults are, right? So, um, and I'm always, every time somebody comes in, I'm like, okay, so where do we find time for you? Where do you come in here? Where do you give to yourself? Where do you find nourishment? And almost always they're like, I don't have time. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, so here's what I know. When we take care of ourselves, when we give ourselves love through little actions of like five minutes of space, or I'm going to sit and drink this cup of coffee, just I'm going to sit while it's hot, while it's hot. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Going to drink it while it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be big spaces, right? Because parents and caregivers don't often have, I'm going to go to the spa for six hours today. So, um, which is awesome, but not all of us have that time. So when we take these little moments of space for ourselves, we nurture ourselves and we nourish ourselves. And always, always, always when caregivers um, decide to choose this, they always come back and say, you know what? I'm more patient. I'm kinder. I don't get mad as often. I'm not as irritated with my with my spouse or my mother or my dad or Mm -hmm. just, I'm a better caregiver. I'm like, right. It works. Doesn't it? Every single time nobody has ever come back and said, well, now that I'm taking care of myself, I suck as a caregiver. Like not once. It's interesting because um, in the couple's work that I do and and I'm trained predominantly by Terry real, we call it responsible distance taking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not that I'm going to withdraw from you and go run out of the house and shut the door. And I don't know when I'm coming back and I'm not telling you, I'm but abandoning it's re- you forever. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and Terry right. would say that, that adults can't abandon other adults, that only children can be abandoned. Right. Absolutely. But, um, but along those lines, it's that responsible distance taking, like I need to yeah. go take care of me before I can to. come back to this. And don't need to. Plenty of people oh, don't. Thank you. Right? It's everywhere. We say it all the time. Mm, yep. I'd like to go take care of me. I'm I'm going to go take care of me. I'm yeah. I'm taking care of me. I, I deserve to take care of me. Yes. And ironically, and this is what is mm-hmm. so difficult for people to understand it unless they experience it, is taking care of me does Take, mean taking better care of care of us. And taking care of yes. every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. When we're caring appropriately. Yeah. When we're crossing way too many boundaries, when we're crossing way too many of our own boundaries, it's a different story. 
Well, and we were talking about that, I think, before we started recording, because when we come back to that, those circles that you were describing before about mm -hmm. the power that we have of our thoughts and our feelings, and mm -hmm. then that bigger circle of the control that we're trying to achieve that right? we don't have, right? <laughs> right. We, one of the things we were talking about was that sometimes when we're, when we're really focused on that external um, circle, the, the, the control that we don't have, that's actually a boundary crossing. We are yes. crossing a boundary in those moments. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't realize it, but when you're talking to somebody and, and when somebody's telling them how to do something, you know, I yeah. always say, well, how's that feel when they're trying to, you know, when they're in your circle of power and mm -hmm. it, feels, it says, it feels awful. I'm like, right. It feels bad to them too. When you try to do it to them, it yeah. doesn't feel good when we cross that boundary. Yeah. It's just, it feels icky and we resist it. Yeah. 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 And so this is a way, that, I mean, all of this, this whole conversation is a way of helping us walk back into those places where, where things don't feel as icky, where things, where, where we're not um, committed to staying in resistance. Right. Right. And, and yeah. we're, we're allowing ourselves to, um, to bring the power back to yeah. the places where we can, we just allow the feelings to, to be. Yeah. We don't have to control them. Our feelings are part of us, just like all, all those little segregated little parts that got scared and mm -hmm. you know separated from us. All those little ones in us. Yeah, our feelings are also just—they're just a part of us. There's right. nothing apparently good or bad. They're just feelings. They just are. And yeah. and so the work I think so often and like this this therapy work, this healing work, whatever we want to call it, mm -hmm. this work is so often for me anyway. It comes back to this place of just reintegrating all these parts. Yes. Just absolutely. bringing them all back together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like what you said with your, um, in your uh, podcast with Haiti, all alone was originally all one. Yeah. Like we're taking all these alone little parts of us and bringing them into the all one. So we're all one. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful image. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm just getting this picture of, of us, our adult self, holding all these little beings of, in us, and we're just we're just holding them, and they're finally relaxing. They're yeah. finally feeling loved and held. Yeah, we're just we're just embracing all of all of us, all of all me. of us, yeah. all of us. Yep, yeah. absolutely. It's yeah. a beautiful thing to do. The world can be just you know in great havoc, but we're loving us in the midst of it, and we're loving us in the midst of it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's got to shift the world. It's got to shift it. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. This, this was delicious. Was so delightful. Yeah. I loved it. And I loved how through speaking with you, I got a whole new view of these tools. <laughs> how cool is that? That's Yay! awesome. Yay! <laughs> so would you please let our listeners know where they can find you and um, how they can get a hold of this book you've put together? Yes. Um, my website is everydaylove.me and uh, you can find my, you can, there's a link to my book there um, or you can go to Amazon. Everything is perfect. Just not me. A roadmap for self-acceptance. And it's so funny when you type in everything is perfect. Uh, the, the first hit is because, because I'm a liar or something like that. <laughs> That's not the book. <laughs> sure to put a link to the actual book in the show notes so our listeners don't have to even go looking too far for it right <laughs> thank 
you so much. We really thank appreciate you so you much, here. Rebecca. I'm so glad you're doing the work you do. And I'm not a big podcast listener, and I love listening to your podcast. Oh, thank you. That means so yeah. much to me. It brings depth to my life. Oh, thanks. And I, I think having these conversations like this one with you brings depth to mine. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Right. Take care. Bye. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And dear listeners, here's a super fun fact. You might recall that just before quarantine, I gathered with Terry Real and a bunch of my fellow certified relational life therapists for an in-depth training. I'm now an authorized relational bootcamp facilitator. And this fall, I'll begin offering two-day weekend relational bootcamps for couples, individuals, and also for therapists training in the relational life model. This training is comprehensive and truly needed by so, so many right now. It's going to be online via Zoom, so you can join me from anywhere that you have internet. Stay tuned and feel welcome to reach out by email if you'd like me to circle back with more details as soon as they become available. Take care and thanks for listening. A reminder. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. Learn more about my counseling practice, intensives, and our collective for therapists and private practice at connectfulness.com. Listeners often ask how they can support the ongoing production of the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Truly, the best way that you can is to simply subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to express deep gratitude for Sarah and Chris Ferris, the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for the Connectfulness Practice Podcast, which was recorded and mixed at Kidneystone Studio. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events.